Hey everybody, this is a message about life in the spirit. The early church was completely dependent on the leadership and movement of the Holy Spirit. And I feel an urge to encourage us to get back to total dependence on the precious Holy Spirit. Enjoy and be filled in Jesus' name. Hey, thank you. You can be seated. I was shocked when I looked at the time. (laughs) I can't believe, I thought we had at least 30 more minutes of worship. (laughs) Um, I was just thinking, you know, the reason, the reason why John had a revelation (laughs) of Jesus, he tells us when he begins the book, he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. It is none other than the person of the Holy Spirit that shows us Jesus. It is no one else. And um, just pardon me because I'm very tender after that. I forgot all the rules of what I'm supposed to say. we really do want to see you, Jesus. And I pray that you would have your way this morning, Lord. I thank you. I thank you. I ask, I ask you, Jesus, to pour out your spirit. Even if in my flesh I can make no sense today you can and I ask you to pour out your spirit Jesus how we need your spirit and how we love your presence God there is none like you Lord there is no one like you there is none like you help me Lord help me I love you guys so much. This is my favorite church. (laughs) I love you so much. Um, God is here. He's here in our midst. Um, I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. Um, And I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. And how he he is, he is the presence of God on the earth. He is not God's administrative assistant. He's not his secretary. He's not his PA. He is God. He is God. His presence transforming lives. He is the only one of the Godhead on the earth. He is God. We have not been taught to treat him as such. But he is God. And the way that you respond to him is the way that you respond to Jesus himself. You cannot resist the Holy Spirit and say you love Jesus. Because he actually is the spirit of Jesus. 
in John 17, Jesus begins to pray to the Father. And miraculously, John is there and he writes it down. <laughs> I can't believe someone wrote the prayer of Jesus. But he wrote it down and, and then he gets to the end and he prays for us. And can you put John 17, 20 up here, please? He prays for us. And this is what he prays. Start in verse 20, would you? Oh, there we go. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Raise your hand. That's you. You are the one that he's praying for here. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. The Holy Spirit is the Father's answer to this prayer. He is the means by which we are one. When Jesus said, I'll come, the Father and I will come and we'll make our home in you, it is by his spirit, that he accomplishes that. The father heard this prayer, and he said, oh, yeah, I'll send him. I'll send him. And we can abide in them and among them so that they could be one with us. Jesus said some crazy things. He said, you can do nothing apart from me. He said, the Father is always with me, never leaves me because I always do what pleases him. Do you know how he did that? He did that by the Holy Spirit. He didn't do that because he was the Son of God. He did that by the Holy Spirit. Put up Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. <laughs> and for this reason, oh, something's wrong with my back read. I'm going to have to turn my back to y'all. How much more shall the blood of Christ, get this, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Do you see it? How did Christ offer himself to God without spot? Through who? The eternal spirit. Jesus' whole mission. He accomplished everything that he accomplished so that he could send the Holy Spirit. Him washing us was not, not sufficient. Him on the cross, buried, resurrected, and ascended, not sufficient. There was no church. There was still yet no church after Jesus went up to heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father. There was still no church until the day that he poured his spirit out on those 120 in the upper room and the church was born. We are completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit.
And I lived 24 years of my life trying so hard to be a Christian and to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ and failing miserably because I did not know this one who is the Holy Spirit. Can you put up those last two slides where I put about the Spirit in the book of Acts? I just want you to see, I just bullet pointed some things that that the Holy Spirit did in the book of Acts. They're going to pull it up for me. Um, can you do the first, the, the second slide? And could you do them one at a time? Maybe, maybe not. Um, the one before this, starting in Acts 2. Aha. In Acts 2, 120 are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're given utterance in so many different languages. Keep going. Acts 4, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and addresses the Sanhedrin. Acts 5, ooh, here's a good one. Ananias and Sapphira lied to and tested the spirit, and they both died. Acts 6, seven men were chosen of good reputation, should say bull of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) We don't like the bull of the Holy Spirit. And wisdom, to serve the neglected widows. You need the Holy Spirit to serve. Keep going. Acts 7, Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit, saw Jesus standing next to God, and he supernaturally forgives his murders. We're going to revisit Stephen in a minute. Acts 8, Spirit tells Philip to go and join this random chariot. He goes and preaches the gospel to this Ethiopian eunuch, baptizes him in water, and the Holy Spirit transports him 30 miles away. Who did that? The Holy Spirit. (laughs) Okay, keep going. Uh, Acts 9, the church walked in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and they were multiplied. This is one of my favorites. Acts 10, Peter is hungry. He's on a rooftop. He's wishing they would hurry up with lunch, and he goes into a trance. And in his trance, he sees all these unclean animals. And the Lord says, rise, kill, and eat. He's like, surely not, Lord. As he's having this vision, none other than the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, hey, Peter, there's three dudes downstairs waiting for you. Go with them without hesitation. This is why you and I are in this room today. Keep going. Uh, Then he goes to Cornelius' house, and as he's preaching the gospel without laying hands on them, the Holy Spirit falls on the whole crowd, and they begin speaking in other tongues. Peter later is having to explain the mess that he made when he goes back to Jerusalem. They're like, what in the world did you do? And he says, I don't know. I was... I followed, the Holy Spirit said, follow these people with no doubts at all. I showed up at this guy's house, and the Holy Spirit was poured out. Sorry. (laughs) I didn't do it. Okay, keep going. Acts 11, Agabus. This will throw your uh, lessons about prophecy for a, a twist. Agabus, by the Spirit, predicts a severe famine, so the church is able to prepare for that. Acts 13, they worship and fasted, and none other than the Holy Spirit was the one who set apart Paul and Barnabas for a mission. 
Acts 13. So they were sent out by who? By the Holy Spirit. Okay, keep going. Acts 16, they went to these regions and then they were forbidden by who? By the Holy Spirit. In, uh, when they came to Mysia, they tried to go to, into Bithynia, but who? The Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. The church was completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. Paul lays hands on the believers in Ephesus, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is that precious crew that was like me. It was like, I've heard about Jesus, but I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Woo! Best time of my life. <clears throat> After these events, Paul resolved by the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia. Okay, keep going. Acts 20. This is Paul. He's on his way to Jerusalem, compelled by who? The Spirit. Keep going. Uh, except that in every town, who? The Holy Spirit warns him. The chains and afflictions are awaiting him. Hmm. I think that might be it. Is that the end? Ah. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. That was just a fun little exercise for us to remember. We are completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if this affects anybody in this room, but I was a little bit nervous, a little bit hesitant, a little bit scared to completely surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. But can I tell you something today? Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is a gift, and he calls it, I'm sorry, not it. He calls him a good gift. Look at, look at Luke chapter 11. I said the wrong verse last night, so now I'm having to. Luke 11, 9. This is Jesus talking. He says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? The Father's not going to give you a demon when you ask for the Holy Spirit. If he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If I could have you walk away with anything today, it would be with a new confidence in how much God wants to give you his spirit. He is not stingy with his spirit at all, and he doesn't give it to the most holy. He knows that you cannot be holy without his spirit. The prerequisite 
Well, first of all, without the gospel, this is all worthless. Jesus paid for this. You know, when we sing about Isaiah 53 and we sing about, at the end of Isaiah 53, there's this phrase that wrecks me. It says, he will see the labor of his soul and he will be satisfied. Did you know that the labor of the soul of the son of God was so that you could be a resting place for the spirit of God, so that you could have everything that he paid for. And I want to honor the king of kings by making myself available for all that he purchased for me it's a way that you can honor him oh holy spirit possess me it's the thing that jesus paid for i want them to be one i want us to be in them and them to be in us it's accomplished by his spirit i want you to look at the 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 life of stephen for a minute in the in the in the book of acts i think it's a beautiful depiction and helpful for us to understand the 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 inner workings and the the relationship between the trinity ah <laughs> i promise like when i'm at my house i don't cry this much <laughs> okay acts chapter 6 I want you to just see a few things about Stephen. And then I'm going to show you how he interacted with the Godhead. Mm. Um, Acts chapter 6. This is an interesting situation. They've got this problem where these, these widows were being neglected. And so the 12 pick out seven men. It says in verse 3 that are, quote, of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, I think that we have looked at this story and been like, oh, the most important ones had to go give themselves to prayer and study of the word. But Stephen, actually, it says now in verse 8, here he is serving the widows, administrating this distribution of food, and he's working so many signs and wonders and miracles, this man that they chose to serve the widows. He's functioning in so much supernatural activity that they call him in for questioning. He's in trouble. It says... And, and they, they found men to accuse him falsely. He, they, they, they ask him to stand up before him and they start grilling him with questions. And he's full of the Holy Spirit and begins to lay out the whole gospel from Genesis to this point. It's amazing what he does. And they get so mad. It's a whole like... Look, look at chapter 7. Can you look at Acts chapter 7? It's super long. This is Stephen just telling them all about what has brought them to this point now. Now look in verse 51 of chapter 7. <laughs> Mind you, he's full of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Now skip, skip down to verse 54. 
When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds terrible. But he, look at this, oh, verse 55. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus. You know, Jesus is typically sitting, not here. Jesus is standing at the right hand of God. He stands up for Stephen. And he says, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. They're so angry, they begin to stone him. Look in verse 59. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Do you see what being full of the Holy Spirit does? Do you see that he, do you see that the Holy Spirit enabled this man to serve the least of these with excellence? And then he functioned in signs and wonders and miracles. And then when he was persecuted, he eloquently laid out the whole gospel. And then when they were angry at him, he boldly told them who they were and what they were doing. But he was able to look up as he's being stoned by the Holy Spirit to see Jesus standing up for him next to the Father, and by the Holy Spirit, do exactly what Jesus had done, and say, Father, don't hold this sin against them. That is a beautiful example of what being full of the Holy Spirit looks like. You, you need to be reminded today that Jesus ascended and there he is. The Father sits next to him, but they have sent their spirit to us. To the degree that we surrender is to the degree that we can have communion. To the degree that you release control is the degree to which you may receive. He is not stingy with his spirit. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus preaches a very famous sermon. But he begins the Sermon on the Mount with a phrase that I think is like his thesis statement, okay? Do you remember being in school and being like, circle the main idea, find it in the paragraph. This is it. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why do I tell you that's his thesis statement? Because he then for a whole chapter outlines the way of life that Jesus himself lives and it is literally impossible. The standards that he sets before his disciples are unbelievable. They're way past Old Testament standards. First, it used to be don't commit adultery. Now it's don't even look at a woman because if you have, you've already committed adultery. Now it's, now it's not just like, forgive your enemies. It's like, hey, when they slap you here, go ahead and turn the other one. Have you ever seen anyone do that? I have four children, and I have never, and they do fight, and they fight nasty sometimes, and I have never seen one of them pull the other one's hair and her say, oh, please, pull the other side. That unnatural and Jesus is laying these standards before them and I don't know about you but like I am not inspired when I read the Sermon on the Mount I am like I give up I am I cannot what do you expect me to do and he ends chapter 5 with this other crazy statement he says all of that about how to live and then he says Therefore, be perfect. I'm telling you, this is Jesus' command to you. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. I think that he bookended this whole chapter with blessed are the poor in spirit and be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect for us to go, yeah, I need you. Yeah, I cannot do this. I cannot, and I think it's a specific word. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, the spirit in, in the book of Romans is called a spirit of adoption or a spirit of sonship. So if Jesus concludes this chapter by saying, be perfect as your who? Your father is perfect. Well, I've got a spirit inside of me that cries out, Abba, Father, I actually believe, I actually believe that we are supposed to live the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. I actually believe that by the Holy Spirit, we can. Why? Because it's the spirit of Jesus Jesus never looked on a woman with lust. Never had a thought. So can you? Yes, by the Spirit of God. 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 Stephen, by the Spirit of God, is being stoned to death by the the very ones that, that Jesus came to die for. And by the Spirit of God says, don't hold the sin against them. We're going we're gonna to respond in a minute, but in, a, in Ephesians 5, Paul says, he says, don't be drunk with wine. How many of you have been drunk? Just kidding, don't raise your hand. (Laughter) <laughs> 
uh, <laughs> actually, it is a command. Don't be drunk with wine. He says, don't be drunk, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why does he say that? He doesn't say, don't be grouchy, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be an Enneagram too, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't go eat Taco Bell, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why does he say that? Because there is something of a similarity. There is something of an analogy here. If Kevin walked in here drunk today, we would have a chat. But if, if Kevin walked in here drunk today, if he had gone to, I forgot the name of that brewery, whatever. If he had gone there and just gotten toasted before church and he walked in, would Nanette notice? Would Keisha, you'd probably notice. He'd probably be uninhibited. He would be what? Probably joyful, maybe a pretty emotional Kevin, what would you be like? <laughs> Pretty fun. He'd be dancing. Uh-oh. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled. Well, in Acts chapter 2, they thought those people were drunk at 9 in the morning. I'm just telling you what it says. Have you ever judged someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you ever said, not like that, Lord, I don't want that? (laughs) Have you? (laughs) Be careful what you say. Be careful what you say. All I know, listen to me, all I know to tell you is that for 24 years, I lived in a world like Romans 7, where I do what I don't want to do, but I do, but I want, but I will, but I won't, but I, you know, I'm not going to read it. It just makes me tired to read it. That is not the normal Christian life. Romans 7 is not your permission to feel stuck and be having a hard time. Romans 7 is remedied in Romans 8 where the life of the Spirit is life and peace, and the, fle- the fleshly mind is hostile to God. There is no in-between. Be filled. And for 24 years, I lived in a frustrated Matthew 5, Romans 7, I can't do it, hypocritical, self-righteous, stuck, sad person. Until... I became friends with the precious Holy Spirit. And let me just tell you, biblically, we could show you examples of so many ways that people get filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to unequivocally say it is not a one-time event, although there is a beginning. And if you think you're missing something, I want to be clear, you are. No, I'm serious because I've been there. I have sat in this seat and thought, I'm missing something. And you know what? I was. And I became, I was watching the people around me. I would watch someone like J. Lou worship and I'd be like, man, I don't get it. I want to, 
but I don't get it. And so you know what I did? I took, now no one do this today, but I took someone like a J. Lou, although it was a woman, I said, can I please take you to lunch? And I paid for her lunch. And I said, you know something I don't know. Can you tell me what that is? I've been in church my whole life and I, I, I'm observing something that I don't have. And it, I began a journey of having fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And my whole life was flip-flopped upside down. I became obsessed with reading the Bible. I literally like, God is now my hobby. I, he is like what I do for fun. <laughs> and that is not how I was. Don't think I'm righteous or spiritual or holy, except that that's what he did to me. Because the Holy Spirit, it loves Jesus so much. And when he takes you over, you do too. You are, you, you, and he loves the word of God and he illuminates it to you. I remember just being like, I'm going to go to Starbucks and just read my Bible. What? What, who am I? <laughs> what have I become? And I would just sit for hours and I would be amazed. And all of a sudden, things that never made sense made sense to me. And I've been in church my whole life at least three times a week. A Bible-believing church. So, I don't know. Can someone... Is Oscar, are you on the keys today? Thank you. Um... Will you put up that first slide? I just want you to see all the ways that we function in the spirit as the New Testament body of believers. Um, we are commanded to pray in the spirit. You might want to write these down. To fellowship with the spirit. To sing with the spirit. To walk by the spirit. To live according to the Spirit, to sow to the Spirit, to be fervent in the Spirit, and to be sanctified by the Spirit. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, please tell me you agree that you do too. And it's time we honor him as Lord Listen, this is very important. Listen to this. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And our, we will no longer have a choice to honor, surrender, submit, worship him. One day, that day's coming. But until then, it's all voluntary on our part. He does not impose himself on you. He's the humble king. You surrender willingly and submit, that's up to you. But I'm, for me, it took a release of control. It took a release of my rights. Well, I have a right to be bitter about that. I have a right to withhold forgiveness. I have a right to dress however I want. I have a right to date whoever I want. That was my attitude. 
But the day that I said, you have the right to anything you want to touch, everything changed. <laughs>